Welcome to Supergirl Radio Rebirth, your source for the DC comic series called Supergirl Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. And I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl number two, which was written by Steve Orlando with art penciled and inked by Brian Ching. The description for this issue reads, quote, Reign of the Cyborg Superman Part 2. Supergirl battles Cyborg Superman in the Fortress of Solitude, and there can be only one winner. But even a temporary victory can spell certain doom for Kara and her new home as her father's plan at last comes to light. Meanwhile, the race for Cat Grant's prized internship heats up, and Kara finds her human competition to be just as challenging. So there was some pretty heavy stuff with the Cyborg Superman situation, but there was also some fun Cat Grant stuff in here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's talk about, because this is, you know, the reign of the Cyborg Superman is, uh, you know, big Cyborg Superman a story. So let's uh, start with him because uh, Supergirl interacts with him a lot in this issue. So what did, what did you think about uh, their confrontations? I thought that they were pretty well done. I mean... This is the one where I, I, I kind of read two and three back to back. But um, I think that there was like a lot of good stuff in this one where sh she has like she doesn't believe it's her father. And then I think by the end of the issue, she's like come around and realize that it is. Uh, and there's a lot of good fight scenes. Um, I, th I thought it was like a, a pretty uh, emotional way to like come at the cyborg Superman story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's, it's really interesting because I, I like you, I think it was, uh, I, in some ways I think it was well constructed because at the beginning of this, of the story, Supergirl's like, yeah, I kind of think he's a fake. I think he's like a, you know, a robot, you know, no big deal. He's not really my father. And by the end of it, of course, she gets some help from that, like, flashback microchip or whatever that's been implanted in her, um, which is kind of cool because we get to see some of uh, Kara's past with her father. And so that's what convinces her that oh, this this guy really is Zor-El. This is my father. So I thought it was neat that at the beginning of the story, she's doubting him, doesn't think he's the real deal. And by the end of the story, she's like, I think he's my father. Um, so I thought that was good, but I'm sort of a little bit frustrated with this is he or isn't he my father stuff. I, I don't know exactly how I feel about it. It's, in some ways, I, I it frustrates me um, just because I think it sort of plays with my mind. And maybe that's the intention because uh, I'm like, all right, well, is this a fake or not? Like, I'm, I, you know, let's just get to it. And then, but then part of me, on the other hand, sort of likes the mystery of it because it does sort of keep you on your toes. So, um, the, the, this issue in particular was, uh, frustrating on that, that aspect of it. Yeah. I feel like, I guess I never doubted that it was her father because I feel like from a storytelling perspective, why would you bring that up? Right. If it wasn't, if it, I mean, I feel like it would be so anticlimactic if the story was, it, you know, this big emotional thing where, like, oh, it's my father, but he's also, you know, an enemy I fought before. And then they're like, LOLJK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in some ways, I sort of would think it would be cool if it, because he mentions Brainiac. Like, he's had this connection to Brainiac. And so I'm like, oh, you know, that'd be kind of a cool twist if, like, Brainiac was, like, manipulating the situation. 
But I agree. I think if you're going to drop it in that, oh, this could be her father, you know, it's it's like what if Star Wars was like, no, nah, just kidding. You know, Darth Vader's not really your father. Like, yeah, exactly. What? what? Gotcha. Yeah, that, that would not be a movie that would be remembered today. Uh, maybe it would be remembered, but not for uh, positive reasons. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I agree on that. Um, but I think it's really interesting because he sort of, in this issue, introduces the idea that he wants to save Argo City. He wants to recreate Argo City. And um, he's using the Sunstone uh, to do it. Um, so uh, we'll see the ramifications for that in the third issue. But I, I think it's sort of introduced here. And they do have a big fight. Um, some of the fight I thought was pretty cool. Um, and part of it's because he, you know, Supergirl barely touches him and he kind of goes berserk. So I thought that was interesting. He says something like he was like, oh, no, my my self-defense system. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That was that was a pretty aggressive self-defense system. (laughs) Calm down, self-defense system. Yeah, I mean, you can chill out a little bit. It's going to be okay. Um, and it wasn't something like he could turn it on and off. It like just came on all of a sudden. Um, and speaking of the cyborg Superman story, we get a little bit of Eliza Danvers in this one. And she's sort of helping Kara with her cyborg Superman. Is he my father problem? Um, did you have any thoughts about, um, Kara's relationship with Eliza? Yeah, I really like that the way that there's they sort of have built up her relationship with her, you know, like Earth family, where I mean, they were kind of just assigned to her. So you would think that they would maybe be a little bit less parental, but they've really like taken on the role of parents um, and they really care about Carr and they really um, they really stick up for her, which I really like about their relationship in this one. I mean, I compare it a lot, I feel like, to the TV show, and that's probably not fair, but I mean, there's a lot of similarities, so it does kind of lend itself to that. Um, but it's definitely a very different relationship to the the one that she has with Eliza in, in the show. It's a little bit more at a distance in this book, I think. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, I think we had talked previously uh, about how Kara had sort of treated the Danvers in a, kind of an ungrateful way. She was sort of being a little bit of a brat, like they were trying to really help her, uh, you know, assimilate to Earth, and she was having a real hard time with it. And so I was pl- I was pleased to see in this issue that at least f- for this moment in time, Eliza and Kara are getting along and Kara seems to want to be around her and interact with her. And I, I do agree with you that it does seem like Jeremiah and Eliza have really, you know, they, they don't think of it as a job. They're like, we are her parents, so we're going to take this seriously. So I liked that uh, we got to see some of that from Eliza, that especially Eliza, we don't see as much with Jeremiah, which in some ways I th- I think it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, especially in this issue, that they didn't use Jeremiah more often as as maybe I felt like they should have. Because if you were going to have so much of the cyborg Superman stuff, I kind of don't understand why they didn't use, hey, this could be a good father figure for her. 
versus this guy who has tried to kill her a couple of times and is pretty creepy and has, you know, fought with her in the fortress. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. So a lot, I feel like a lot of this story has like revolved around her and Eliza, but that's a really good point. Like Jeremiah is like right there and to contrast like her father, her earth father figure with like her actual Kryptonian father feels like it would make more sense but yeah i that was just something i was thinking about because i i I think i I think i understand where they're maybe going with the stuff with eliza so i I think it'll have a nice payoff but i was just like i kind of yeah i think you talked about trying not to compare it to the show but like you know we don't get to see a lot of jeremiah on the show and so like now that we see him in these issues i'm like can I have more Jeremiah? I would like to get to know him more. So <laughs> now that they don't have to pay Dean Kane to make a guest, <laughs> right. guest appearance. <laughs> <laughs> so, so part of me is like really selfish and wants to see more Jeremiah. Cause I, I feel like we've gotten a lot of Eliza, which is nice. Cause we don't, we've gotten a little more of Eliza in season two of Supergirl, but I, I guess we could always take more Danvers, uh, parents. So, um, but I, I did like to see that in this issue, Eliza was not only kind of checking in with her about, hey, what's going on with that uh, creepy, that robot might be your father situation. Like, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't just that. It was also, like, she was asking Cara about how her interview with Cat Grant went and, and all of that. So I, it, it was nice to see that she was more involved in Cara's life, and Cara was letting her be more involved. I, I thought that was great. Well, since I dropped the Cat Grant name, uh, we got to see her a little bit in this issue with her trying to recruit for her CatCo Young Innovators program. So, Morgan, what did you think about getting to see Cat in this issue? Oh, it's so great to get to see Cat because I'm like so cat deprived right now <laughs> from the show. Like, I just keep looking for her everywhere. Cat, where are you? <laughs> I mean, we have Snapper, but he's not snapping. So, I really yeah. want, <laughs> I like really miss Cat Grant now. Um, so, it was great to see her in the comic. And she's like going on this whole rant about celebrity gossip and how that's going to help her to create her next big idea, like her next like worldwide media company. I don't know that I'm sold on her idea. She seems to have this idea that she wants to like make a media company that's going to be like people like, like empowering everybody to be a reporter. And I feel like historically just going off of this year that has made news worse. So I'm not sure that Kat Grant has like a great idea there, but I'm interested. I like that. She's like looking towards like the next generation of innovators, innovators for her ideas and like her, her riddle about like what's the biggest challenge facing her company was interesting. I thought that the answer was, was strange. Like that the, the biggest challenge facing her company is her, and I kept waiting for the context of, like, why that was the case. But then she was like, you're hired. And I was like, but why? Why are you <laughs> the biggest challenge facing your company? I don't get it. Well, the only thing that could prevent her from succeeding would be herself. You know, her drive and her um, will to make herself into something more. You know, that's that starts with yourself. That starts with, you know. Your, your inner workings. So I, I, I felt like it was an okay answer. That's pretty deep. It's like your your worst enemy is always 
yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's the sort- only one who can hold you back is you. That's right. That's right. And I think that was the point that she was trying to make. It sort of reminded me of when I was in high school, my band director, I don't even remember why he was asking this question, but he, he asked, what, what is the one thing you need to wash a car? And everybody else was like, oh, you need soap, you need water, you need a sponge, you need, you know, wax or whatever. And I was like, you need a car. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the one thing that you absolutely have to have to wash a car. And that and that was the answer. So sometimes you have to boil it down to like, what is the, you know, the, the most, the simplest answer to the riddle. And so, yeah, I think that, I think she was trying to make a point. And I think it was also sort of interesting because in that moment when she asked the question, Kara, you know, I think Kara wanted to answer, but she uh, hesitated and, and Mr. Ben Rubel uh, got the answer right. So what did you think about Kat and her interaction with Kara? Because she sort of calls her out at the school afterwards. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting that she already knew who Kara was and she knew that Kara was smart and like kind of wasn't living up to her potential. Um, and I thought it was interesting that, you know, we see Kara like literally fighting like a cyborg version of her father who explodes. But then she's like, <laughs> then she's like in an auditorium and like hesitates before giving an answer. <laughs> it's like, mm, the things you're afraid of are confusing. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that is kind of interesting though, that she would be, I, in her element and her super powered element, she has a lot of confidence. But when she's in our earthly, you know, high school element, that it is kind of intimidating. <laughs> it reminded me of like I think it was like a joke from Seinfeld where they said that like people like people's number one fear is like public speaking, and their number two fear was death. Yeah. So <laughs> like at a funeral, they would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Yes. <laughs> And it's like it's it's kind of like that. Like you, she's so fearless when she's in her Supergirl like persona, but then when she's like Cara Danvers, she's kind of like shy and like reserved and like you. I I feel like in this case, you can kind of see why somebody would look at somebody who looks exactly like Supergirl and be like, Nah, she can't be Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it does bode well for the secret identity. Um, that that is the case. And I really liked, I think it's on page 15 of the comic. There's a there's a, a little bit with the art where um, Kat and Kara are in the same panel together. And Kat is basically doing all of the talking. <laughs> and it just, it just cracked me up. Because, and a lot of the time when the art shows Kat, it's just like constant speech bubbles everywhere. And so it just, it makes me think of how Cat would just be like rattling things off the top of her head. Like sometimes she would do on the show in season one where she would just be talking and talking and talking and um, saying awesome things. But, you know, it would be hard to kind of get, you know, uh, your own thoughts in there because she had so much to say. And it's so funny that you bring up the uh, you brought up the idea that she was trying to get other people to kind of do her work for her. Um, and it it reminded me of I don't know if you know anything about CNN I report. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yes, I I've participated in CNN I report a couple times, 
And it's actually a really neat concept. Um, I wasn't able to do it a lot because there were certain things like you can kind of pick and choose your assignments, but they'll have they they would have assignments, and then you can go in and be like, oh, I can do a little thing on that. So you can take pictures, you can write something up, you can post videos or whatever. And it's kind of a neat way to hear other people's experiences from around the world and get to see other things. Um, but I also thought Cat was being a little lazy. I was like, couldn't you just you know. Um, I don't know. It feels like you're getting other people to do your work for you. But um, but I thought it was a, a, a neat idea that kind of, I don't know if the intention was to, to take what CNN iReport was doing and put that into the comic, but it's what it, what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of what I was thinking of too. But I was like, I, I felt like I just ended up coming out of it having too many questions about her business model, like <laughs> probably, probably questions that like nobody else would, would care about. But I was like, so are you paying these? Are they freelancers? Are they contributors? Are you going to give them health insurance? Like I'm too involved. I think <laughs> having like, having like done freelance and having worked in journalism, like I was just like, you're giving these people salaries and 401ks, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, she probably needs to make it worth these people. Uh, while and 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 maybe that's why she's kind of going after these high school kids to maybe get internship hours and you know school credit and things like that. Maybe she's trying to to get what she can for keeping keeping her overhead low. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that might be uh, why that is the case. So I, I think it's really interesting that Kara at this point in in her experience and her life and her Supergirl career, she's got all this stuff going on with the DEO, and now she's got stuff going on with Cat Grant. So I think that's really cool. And um, I, I guess we should talk about the art. Uh, what, what did you think about uh, the way this issue was drawn or, or looked? Um, I liked it. I, I mean, it's it was the same artist from the first issue, I believe, right? Yeah, it's it's so, been pretty consistently. Um, yeah, so Brian it's been pretty from- consistent. Um, I liked the way some of the, the fight sequences were, were drawn. Um, it, it gave like a lot of feeling of movement and like you could kind of tell – the, like you could follow it along with the fight, but there was still sort of the emotional component in there, which I thought was good, especially like, you know, this issue is all about her questioning whether or not this person that she's fighting is her father. So I feel like it was good that they were like a couple of panels where you can like really see her like confusion and heartbreak. Like there's one on, I think it's page Let's see what page am I on? It's page ten where like Ray Ather <laughs> randomly cyborg Superman just blows up for no reason. Uh, <laughs> she's uh she's just kind of like kneeling down and her yeah. cape is kind of flowing in front of her and you can just kind of see like a, like this isn't it couldn't be my dad. Like you can kind of see the like the emotional toll it's taking on her. Yeah, I I really like that panel as well. I, I think some of those moments are are really nice because they do kind of put you in it. Um, and I, I would agree there was a lot of good action, a lot of good uh, fight stuff in there. I, I, you mentioned that um, the, 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 the boom and the explosion, and I like that panel where, um, you know, you actually get to see the, the boom and, and Supergirl withstanding the blast. I, I, th- I think that looks really great where it sort of gives off this sense that there is a gust of wind that is passing by her. So I, I thought... Um, that stuff is is all drawn really well. Um, I also thought it was cool that there's a Blackhawk Easter egg on page seven on the uh, like the was it a shuttle or an airplane, whatever's in the fortress. 
I thought that was cool because I'm not like a like a I'm not like Lady Blackhawk's number one fan. I don't know that much about her, but I sort of like Lady Blackhawk. I've read some Birds of Prey stuff that she's in, and I like the concept of the Blackhawks. I wish I knew more about them, um, but so it was kind of cool to see uh, that little Easter egg in there. That's what it looked like to me anyway. And um, I thought there was a nice uh, panel on page six. Uh, so like Super Cyborg Superman is sort of floating down to Supergirl, and I thought it was a nice use of lighting and the scope of what was happening to show you know that this was happening just between the two of them and there was also a really nice bit that I thought was cool it wasn't action oriented but it was a a little bit where um on page 21 there's this image of cyborg superman and his reflection in this broken mirror oh I like that one so much yeah so I I thought that was great because it I mean Maybe it's obvious, but it's sort of, to me, it symbolized that he's a broken man, that there's something not right with him. So I, I thought that that was a, a really striking image. I, I thought that was the, the most striking image uh, to me in this issue. And I just think the uh, the way that they draw Cyborg Superman, I don't have like a lot of uh, background knowledge about the character. Uh, so I don't know if this is how he always looks like 100% of the time, but like it's really creepy, like the way that the it's sort of you can see the metal underneath but like on his cheeks where it's like kind of it kind of looks like it's just like stringy down it's it's a little disturbing yeah his face looks pretty good but then sometimes when he's in panels and there's like some of the the metal like uh, strips of metal or whatever that are like hanging out i'm like i don't understand what this is doing here like they're (laughs) kind of like hanging outside of his his um his sides and sometimes on his arms like i i don't really fully understand what that is and what the purpose of it is um so some of that is weird to me but he is very creepy and he does he does give off this um unsettling image that sort of makes you question like his intentions so i I think in that way it's very successful and um uh so what did you think about this issue overall in terms of the story and uh, the art? Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, I, there's just something of, with this series so far that just, it's, it's fine, but it's just not connecting with me um, for some reason. And I don't know why, because I can see like the emotional beats are there and we have Cat Grant, which is great and, and everything, but I just don't know. I don't know. I can't put my finger on what it is exactly that I'm just like not into about this, uh, this run so far. Maybe you have a better idea, Rebecca. You're you're usually better with the words. <laughs> oh no, you you and Carly have a much better vocabulary than I do. Um, I, I I would agree that there's something that I don't quite like about this series either. I mean, some of it is kind of cool. I mean, I like the idea of playing up Kara's connection to Argo City and. Um, you know, I like the idea of Cyborg Superman kind of being, cause he, he was a, he was a villain for her, I believe in, in a connection to her father in the new 52. So Cyborg Superman has become, he started as a Superman villain, but he is very much a, a Supergirl villain now. So I think that's really cool. Um, so it's nice to see him in this, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think, I don't know. 
I don't know what it is. I think in some ways for me, it's like I kind of was hoping that this would be more of Kara in high school and her dealing with some of, you know, the earthly parts of what she's going through. And, and she's she's having so many heavy things going on um, that you you don't really get to enjoy, or at least I don't. I, I don't get to enjoy the other stuff as much. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is for me, because this so this just started. This is issue two, and already she's like fighting cyborg Superman, who's also her dad, who's remaking Argo City. Like I'm just trying to figure out what her deal is. Like we've only gotten two issues into this run and I feel like there was no real establishment of like who the character is and like what she does on a day to day and like she it seems like she just kind of got placed with the Danvers I mean I feel like that could have been like a little bit more of a you know a couple issues about that or I don't know I I feel like I'm more interested in like what her earth life would be like than all of this. I feel like this kind of stuff would be more impactful later on. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. I think if they had ramped up the cyborg Superman stuff, uh, you know, and, and, and well, not ramped up, um, kind of got to it another way, I think would have, would have been uh, a little better. Cause I did find myself in this issue in particular, like, more drawn to the cat and Kara stuff um, just because it was, you know, it was something different. It was refreshing and it sort of, it sort of gave a little bit of levity to what was going on. Um, And maybe it's because I don't, I don't have, I like some of the flashbacks that they give us uh, for Krypton and Zor-El and all that kind of stuff. But I think the fact that like, we don't know a ton about what Zor-El was like, except for this, image that we're getting from cyborg superman which i don't know if i can trust you know it's like a a Mm -hmm. lot of up in the air um stuff going on so i i don't know i can't quite put my finger on it either um but i'm i'm willing to keep going with it and see where it goes but i think uh you know it it, and maybe (laughs) maybe i'm also kind of frustrated because there was some kryptonese in this issue (laughs) as well there was some on page four and page 20 and some of it, you know, some of it made sense. And even in my notes, like I wrote page four, I gave up on the first panel. Like it just, <laughs> you know, like and none of it made any kind of sense. Um, and like in the second panel, you know, I, I made out like subject uh, be identified, Cara Zor-El. And on page 20, there was like um, some words that said catastrophic damage system. And while that's, you know, good that I can uh, translate a few of the words, like, I'm not getting any additional information out of the Kryptonese. Like, it's basically already translated on the page. So, I guess I'm trying not to let my frustrations with the <laughs> Kryptonese, like, affect my, um, you know, taint my uh, my opinion of the story. But, I I mean, for what it was, I, I thought it was a good issue. Um, uh, so, we'll, we'll have to see where it goes from here. Uh, hopefully, it'll pick up in a nice way. Oh, and I probably should mention that uh, Kat talks about taking a body language seminar with Carolyn Wuzan, and and <laughs> she is the sister of Lady Shiva in DC Comics. So I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if we'll ever see her, but that was a pretty cool mention. And the National City Penitentiary is uh, apparently called The Ditch. 
So I thought that was kind of neat that they've sort of added to the world of National City and, and given another location for us to know. So I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl number two. Uh, but we have a voicemail from a listener named Greg who has some thoughts to share about this particular issue, issue number two. Hi, Supergirl Radio. Hi, Morgan, Carly, and Rebecca. Uh, this is Greg H. calling in to give feedback on issue number two of Supergirl Rebirth. No, I do not believe this is really Zorel meeting with Carr. I, I don't. That's just my feedback on it. It's not him. It's still Cyborg Superman. Maybe Cyborg Superman was brainwashed into thinking he was Zorel. Um, I noticed some panels of further ahead that shows him giving Kara visions through his eyes of her as a child that supposed to confirm it can't be no one any anyone but him, but I I, I still don't believe it. I, I'm I'm still gonna be skeptical. You know, that that helps it to be a little bit more believable. I'm still gonna be skeptical until the end of this story run, until, you know, it's finally, you know, confirmed whether he is or isn't. All right, now also jumping forward to Cat Grant. I loved her. Always loved Cat Grant. Um, it, I mean, whether it's Calissa Flockhart or the actual character on, you know, on these panels in the comic book, you can't get enough of Cat Grant. I mean, her body language just takes over and dominates the entire panels of all, you know, of the other book of this issue. I loved how she gave Carver feedback about not doubting herself and being, you know, quicker to respond and just, just not having doubt. Because, you know, when you doubt yourself, someone can steal your moment. And that moment where you just pause to, you know, doubt. Uh, and that's definitely not a good thing. And, you know, Ben stole Kara's thunder, but Kat gave Kara another chance. And um, and also she told Kara about uh, a little bit about body language as well. Told her she could read her body language and could tell. Well, Kat told Kara she could read her body language and could tell everything she needed to know about her being the best fit for the position she was offering her. Now, right quick to the end, we show, um, you know, Cyborg Superman's getting Argo City ready for Carver to return to it. We see a picture at the end or the last panel of Carver's mother looking like a robot. This, again, confirms why I do not believe this is the real Zorel. This is still Cyborg Superman, brainwashed, something, I don't know. That that last image of Carver's mother looking like a robot is not great, or it's not it's not a good sign. Well, let me quickly sign off. It's been great leaving feedback for all of you, and I look forward to the podcast. This is Greg H. Bye. Well, thanks for calling in and sharing your thoughts about that, Greg. If you've already picked up the issue like Greg has, make sure to give it a rating in Comixology or your DC Comics app. If you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl uh, Rebirth number 2 is available in the DC Comics app, the Comixology app, as well as Comixology.com. Google Play, the Nook Store, Amazon, and at readdcentertainment.com. And as far as keeping up with us, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail like Greg did, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. We are on Google Play and iHeartRadio, and we are also on Spotify. We have a Supergirl Radio playlist there, so we are a literal Supergirl Radio 
with a ton of music from and about the show and the character of Supergirl, so check that out there. And we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we're a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DC TV shows, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. Very well done. Well, and if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram at the TheDerbyKid. Uh, that's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And I've also shot some, uh, shot and edited some videos that you can find on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, I do a little writing for Buddy TV, and I'm also a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, so you should check that out. You definitely should. That's good stuff over there. Well, and thanks for joining us as we read Supergirl Rebirth. (laughs) 